Well, good morning, everyone. As the kids just settle in here, um, I want to just again introduce us to this new series we're going to be doing for the next five weeks from Hebrews 11 and 12, where we'll hear about some pilgrims from Scripture. And these are men and women who, according to Hebrews 11, walked with God by faith. And we hear about people like Abraham and Sarah, who were actually seeking a homeland. They were actually seeking the city prepared for them by God. And these pilgrims are part of the great cloud of witnesses, which we hear about in today's reading. Uh, but we're not going to begin with Abraham or Sarah or Moses or David. We're actually going to begin today with Jesus. Because our whole Christian life, from beginning, middle, and end, is centered on Jesus. But first, I invite you to join me in praying. Father, open our hearts and minds to hear your word with faith and understanding. Strengthen us to run the race you have set before us, looking always to your son, Jesus. Amen. So if you have a Bible, it would be helpful to turn to Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. And there are three exhortations or appeals in this short passage. First, lay aside every burden and sin that weighs you down. Second, run with endurance the race that is set before us. And third, consider Jesus Christ. And notice something from these appeals. The Christian life is not something that is still or static or stationary. In our last series, the Apostle Peter described Christians as exiles or pilgrims in the world. And if we think of ourselves in that way, as exiles wandering in the wilderness, our greatest need is not a sheltered oasis where we can settle down and make a home in the desert. We also don't need to embrace our wandering as if being unsettled is actually the purpose or point of life. What we need as exiles is a road that will lead us home. We need a way out of the desert into the beautiful, abundant, life-giving, safe city of our king. And that is what we receive in the gospel. In the gospel, we're promised a home with God, and we're actually shown the way home in Jesus Christ. So, to run this race well, the first thing we have to do is lay aside the burdens and sins that hold us back. Now, despite what I said in the kids' talk, unless I'm chasing my kid down the street, uh, you probably won't find me running very long distances these days. Honestly, I don't enjoy long-distance running. It's hard, especially if you don't do it often, like me. It's even harder if you're carrying a heavy weight on your back. And the writer of Hebrews uses this metaphor to describe the distractions and sins that hold us back as we try to follow Christ. If we try to run carrying our burdens, we will not make it to the finish line, at least not in one piece. And we can only lay aside these burdens by looking to Jesus. This brings us back to John Bunyan's brilliant illustration from the Pilgrim's Progress. When Christian leaves the city of destruction, 
he has this heavy burden strapped to his back. And when, when he tries to remove it, it actually only becomes heavier, more burdensome. But as he approaches a cross with a tomb below it, his burden is taken from him and it actually rolls into the tomb and we never see it again. Listen to what Bunyan said. It was the sight of the cross that accomplished the release of Christian's burden. Our culturally trained intuitions and instincts would try to tell us that peace and fulfillment come from looking inward to find our true self and embracing those desires we find within us. But the gospel actually points us outside of ourself to the promise of God's grace and the finished work of Christ. And until we grasp this basic truth of the gospel, that peace and freedom are found by looking outside of ourselves to Christ, to his strength and power and grace, our pilgrimage toward the city of God will always be weary and tiresome, like running a marathon with an anchor strapped to our waist. So we first look to Christ to relieve our burden of sin, but even after we are free and running the race, we can't take our eyes off of him. He is not only the founder of our faith, he is the perfecter of it, and he's the one who sustains us as we run. Did you notice in verse 2 that we are told to run with endurance the race that is set before us? God calls his people not only to run, but to run a particular race on a particular path. Uh, people in the Western world know how to run, especially in Vancouver. People's lives are fast-paced, frenetic, and generally overwhelming. Despite having access to more material wealth, more technological innovation, than any other time and place in history, uh, people in our culture are increasingly anxious, stressed, depressed, and generally discontent. We are running at a breakneck speed, but we have no path or destination in mind. The Christian philosopher Jamie Smith says that we're not pilgrims, we're wanderers. We feel a sense of, of alienation or discontentment in the world, but instead of seeking a true home, we convince ourselves that the road is home. And as he says, we revel or rejoice in our roaming. That's why the author of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, because always running with nowhere to go can only lead to chaos, anxiety, and fatigue. We are called as Christians to run home and to look to Christ who will be waiting at the finish line to welcome us home to the city of God, which is the goal of our faith. This isn't easy. Our pilgrimage is a marathon, not a sprint. Maybe even one of those ultra marathons, like those desert races that only 10 or 15 people in the world can complete. And that means there's times when we will feel weary, tired, or want to turn back. 
Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of in this. If you speak with someone in this room who has been walking with Jesus for a long time, I can guarantee you that they've experienced this at some point or another. But that's why we need the third and final appeal from this passage. Consider Jesus. Day by day, week by week, year by year, consider Jesus. He is the one who relieves our burden of sin. He is the one who will ensure we make it to the finish line. And he is the one who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the hostility of the cross and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. And boys and girls, I'll be finishing up in one minute if you want to wrap up your art. It looks wonderful. And here's really the point of all this. Jesus is the perfect pilgrim. Jesus is the perfect pilgrim. He is our best example of what it means to live by faith and to walk with God. But he is much more than that. He's not merely our example. He is actually our conquering king and our compassionate priest. He's an infinite well of hope and strength for those who are weary or faint-hearted. So as we begin this new series, considering men and women who have made this pilgrimage of faith before us, we first need to fix our eyes on Jesus and prepare to run the race that he has set before us, looking to him every step of the way. Amen.